when we hopefully get out of this situation. Now, the, the starting point is to say that the COVID-19 pandemic has caused an unprecedented human and health crisis. And the measures necessary to contain that virus has triggered um, an economic downturn around, around the world. And reports reports some reports say that the COVID-19 pandemic impact could costs the world about two to four trillion US dollars. Now, that, that impact, in my view, um, would be felt by every sector of the Nigerian economy, and the legal profession is unlikely to be an exception. Now, I, I, I should, we should remember that the situation that we are in now is complicated by the fact that as a nation and as a profession, we, we are not, and in fact, we may not just be dealing with the effects of COVID-19. We are also battling with the impact of slumping oil prices for an oil-dependent economy like Nigeria. And we are also faced with uh, imminent global recession, um, um, economic recession, which, which um, ec experts say will happen anytime in the, in the next quarter or so. And so as distant as and macro level as these things may sound, they have an impact on our respective practices. And that is why the question becomes, what are we talking about? What are we, what are we supposed to be discussing this afternoon? Now, the focal point of our session is to, is to discuss how to balance the interest of law firm management and, and critical stakeholders at a crucial time like this, and how this pandemic is likely to impact on jobs, salaries, and other employment benefits and indeed the future of the law of law practice in Nigeria. Uh, depending on, on the law firm model that one chooses, whether um, you choose the partnership model or the sole proprietorship model. So if law firm management could be you as an individual, that is if you are a sole proprietor or if you, if as they say, you are doing your own thing, right? That if in that kind of situation, you are the law firm management. Uh, on the other hand, management could be your employer or the partners at the law firm where you work or, or the board of partners if you are employed by someone else or if you're, if the firm where you work is structured as a partnership. So, so essentially, law firm management could be you or could be your employer. If in that situation, you then ask who are the critical stakeholders whose interests must be balanced with those of the law firm management. And I think there are two sets of stakeholders here. The first and perhaps the most critical for our conversation this afternoon would be the employees or the fee earners at, at that organization. And the second set would be the clients of the firm themselves. And like I often say, these two 
assets are the greatest assets that any law firm can have and they're the, your most critical stakeholders whose interests you must always strive strive to protect that is the fee earners the employers and the clients because as law firms the only thing that we sell is services so and our services are run by by human beings so human beings who are the fee earners are the most valuable assets that you have and just behind that are the clients who whom you work for and who who, who pay the bills ultimately now what are what are the impacts that we are likely to see uh, on account of of covid 19. i would say that post covid 19 law firms would need to put in place certain systems to enable them ensure that their business continues and certain things to mitigate the threats uh, to their practice that they are now they're, they're, they're now seeing and in, in setting up these systems the management of firms may take certain far-reaching decisions and other critical stakeholders may need to reciprocate or act in such a manner as to balance the interests on both sides. Now, as, as part of those measures, what are the things that we expect to see from a law firm perspective? Some of the things that I'll be talking about this afternoon may sound like doom and gloom for most people, but the truth is that there could still be some bright spots at the end of the day. And we may things may ultimately not be as horrible as, as we conjecture that they may be. Uh, if, 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 this, if this ends fairly quickly. But in the interplay between law firms and their critical stakeholders, there are about two of things that I've thought about that I think in terms of business continuity and opportunities, COVID-19 will throw up for Nigerian lawyers and law firms. The first of that is that there will be an increased use of technology by lawyers and law firms as a means of transacting right law firms are very old school and traditional but out of covid 19 will come the recognition that we must begin to do things differently law firms will see law firms will begin to invest more in technology and we will begin to see more virtual meetings between clients and lawyers and even amongst firms themselves and and hopefully at some point our court system will begin to encourage the use of advanced technology for proceedings now so out of what seems to be a bad situation, we may in fact begin to do things right. So COVID-19 presents us with a bad situation. But for, for a profession like ours that is very traditional, it might actually force us to begin to do things right. Uh, someone recently asked a multi-choice question on, 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 on social media. They asked uh, about who initiated technological changes and advancements at your firm. And he gave three options. The first was your chief executive officer your chief technical officer and COVID-19. And most people chose COVID-19 as the correct option. So COVID-19 is actually going to be a driver for technological advancement at many firms. In, in, that, in that same light, we will begin to see more online conferences and less travels for physical conferences, uh, which in good times is often used by law firm management as an incentive for, for their young lawyers, because many people join law firms and apart from the pay that you receive on a monthly basis, some of the other benefits in kind would be they are sending you for trainings and conferences in different parts of the world. But on account of this, you may find that some of those benefits may be off the table because you will simply sit in the comfort of your offices or your homes as you're doing now and attend many of these conferences. Now, it is, it is certainly not lost on me that infrastructure deficit might be a challenge in achieving this, but at least that conversation 
will begin to happen in Nigeria on, on account of this, especially if, if um, come July this year, lawyers elect uh, in the forthcoming elections, someone who's young at heart, who understands the need to lay a foundation for the, for the, for the profession and, be, and, be, and we begin to have that conversation at a very serious level. So that's the first thing, technology, uh, technological advancement. The second point is some law firms may begin to rationalize. Uh, in and by rationalization, I mean they may begin to downsize their employees, they may begin to lay off people. So because in terms of projections, it is not unlikely that the pandemic will lead to significant revenue loss for law firms, especially where the partial shutdown of the economy continues for more than two months. Uh, we're already in the, in the, in the, in the fourth or fifth week, or so I'm not, sure, I'm not so sure now. Or where activities do not return into full swing by the end of the third quarter, which will be, which will be about, about September. If, if we don't get back into full swing at that time, it is very likely that there will be significant revenue losses for law firms. And so realistically speaking, many law firms may be compelled to, as a result of market realities, consider some cost-saving measures in relation to their recurring expenditures, and which really is a big part of, of that, of that um, expenditure. Uh, if, you look at, if you look at the cost and expense sheet of any law firm, um, what you find to be their most, their, their most significant and recurring expense would be wage bill. And after that, you may begin to talk about things like rent and then trainings and, and, and other, other, other support system. Now, as a result of this, we may see a number of law firms laying off people uh, and in order to ensure that they don't continue to push cash to non-performing employees uh, so as not to limit available and then limit the cash that they have available to, to employees who are actually working on the, on, the, on the little work that they might have um, left, left to do. Now, and that is where historical good performance by young lawyers or by associates become important. Because in looking to rationalize or downsize, an employer will be looking more to those people who have not been adding significant value to the business or those who are doing things that another person can pick up easily and continue with. Now, what, what I know is that most law firms may not want to rationalize or lay off their lawyers immediately because they may want to hold, hold that door for, for some time and see how things go. But if business realities after COVID-19 do not support that, the question becomes for how long can they hold that door and not lay off, lay, lay, um, lay off their employees? So essentially, if, if clients are not forthcoming, why do you need to keep a large workforce? Right, so for, for sole proprietorships with, um, with less diversified practice areas, the downsizing might be more accelerated you may find that people who run, who do their own thing, uh, who have two, three, four, five people working for them, may be very quick to say, gentlemen, I'm not sure I need five people any longer. I just need to keep two people and continue. But for partnerships, uh, it, is, it is likely that they may choose, the partners may choose to take a reduced pay on their own part for a certain period so as to soften the effect of, of the cash crunch that they may be going through um, at that um, during, during this period. The third thing that I see happening is that clients may become more aggressive on pricing of fees. So we will probably see that clients will begin to ask lawyers to reduce their fees that have already been earned or booked. So you sent an invoice sometime in January, the client has not paid you up to this time. It is likely that that client will come back and ask you to, for a reduction on those fees because they may no longer be able to afford it as much as their, their, legal, their legal spend is no longer as robust as it was. And in fact, we are beginning to see that already. Some large corporations are already calling law, uh, law firms that work for them to say, we need you to reduce fees that were previously agreed 
or we need you to give us a discount on invoices that you already sent to us that have not been that have not been settled. And the fourth one would be, besides the fact that the clients will be asking you for aggressive reduction on your fees, the rate of collections may also significantly reduce. Uh, in other words, the amount you are able to get from your clients, even after you've discounted it, or the speed with which they're able to settle their invoices might no longer be as much as it used to be. To use the general example again, if you sent an invoice to your good your client in the good days in January, a client that will typically have settled that invoice in February, a month after, might now need to wait till March or April before they settle your invoice. And that is not because the clients do not want to pay, but because they are trying to allocate scarce resources and in the scheme of things many businesses do not consider legal costs as their priority so they want to push that down the line and settle some other costs that are their operating expenses that they need to incur on a day-to-day basis as opposed to legal fees of of, for for work already done by law firms that will always be there for them anyway Uh, the fifth thing that i see um, happening as a uh, in, in the legal space as a result of this is expansion of law firms on a brick and mortar basis would slow down or reduce brick and mortar being that oh this off this firm has opened off opened another office in a baton another office in a lorry another one in the in the cage so law firms may realize that we actually don't need to open too many brick and mortar offices around the world because it has been proven that people can expand their businesses their practices even without having a physical presence in certain places and this will save law firms significant costs that they will then apply to doing other things uh, why do i need to set up office in in port harcourt or in Oshobo if i know that i can sit in lagos and do the work effectively and from time to time simply push my people down there to go and do work when the need arises uh, the sixth point is there will be increased work flexibility. Uh, COVID-19 induced lockdown has has sent the message to most law firm owners and, empl- and, and, and that their employees can actually carry out some of their very core functions from their homes. And this is something that most law firm owners did not think was possible in the past or things that they would never have allowed their, their, their young lawyers or lawyers to do at all. But on account of this lockdown and what, and what COVID-19 would bring, we will find that many employers will realize that my employees have actually been very efficient, those who, are, who have work to do, have actually been very efficient during this period. And so there's no reason why I should insist on my employees staying in the office till 10 p.m. There's no reason why I should insist on employees sleeping in the office because they'd have to work. Think people will become more flexible in how they how they relate to their to their to their young lawyers or employees who are doing work for them. So we'll find a significant we'll find a move, maybe not too significant in the in the, in the short term. We'll find a move to a virtual workforce um, on account on account of this. The seventh point relates to something I already talked about um, earlier, and that is that the economics will change for lawyers and law firm owners. The economics will change because as a result of COVID-19, the finances of law firms will be significantly impacted. And this will tell on the earning capacity of lawyers at all levels. The the overall effect of the pandemic on law firm revenues is is still still developing. And it might be too early to, to forecast how things may play out. But a conservative guess from what I've heard from a few people is that in the short to mid term, law firm revenues may be set back by about 25 to 35%. So if a firm used to earn 100 million a year, 
and it now loses some it could lose about 25 to 35 million from that amount and then end up with about 75 to 65 million so that's that's a significant shock in terms of revenues for that law firm and as a result of this we may see that there will be there may be pay cuts across board so employers may begin to consider the need to reduce salaries across board and there may be suspension or deferral of bonuses for employers who already pay bonuses so they may either say we are no longer paying bonuses or we are suspending payment of bonuses until a future date and things like leave allowances may also be scrapped or reduced in some instances uh, and the reason is simple payroll like i said earlier is the most expensive and more recurring expense that most law firms have to incur and on this point, um, when, I, when I was thinking about this, I, I read that about 20 international law firms around the world have already started implementing some of these measures, even though these law firms are more sustainable and they have more resources than the law firms in Nigeria. So if very big law firms internationally are already beginning to suspend partner pay, talk about reducing salaries for their for their for their fee earners i i think i think unless we recover very quickly it might only be a matter of time before before that wind comes uh, comes this way and firms begin to do what they need to do uh, firms that have reserves can use those reserves to cover for the next few months if things don't don't catch up very quickly but it might be too too it might be difficult to hold on for for too long if things don't don't pick up as quickly as they should and I think that this is one area where young lawyers and employees have to understand with their employers. Employers may be forced, and that's because employers may be forced to choose between laying off staff and reducing and reducing remuneration so as to maintain the current workforce. So employees may actually have the power now to save the jobs of some of their friends or colleagues through a forbearance on their remuneration. By way of example, if I if I own the law firm where my wage bill for the month is about um, 1.3 million naira, and that is because I have 13 lawyers that I am paying 100,000 naira to at the end of the month, and because my revenues have been impacted significantly on account of COVID-19, and I'm no longer able to earn the 1.3 million monthly, and I'm now able to earn only about 800,000 naira at the end of the month in that I can allocate to, to wages. What I would do is it's either I I lay off five employees so that the 800,000 will go around to my to the remaining eight employees and I pay them 100,000 each or I have a conversation with my employees on the need to scale down their salaries to 65,000 or 70,000 or 70, so that the 800,000 that I have can still go around the 13 people in the firm. And so in practical terms an alternative to laying off employees would be for law firms to negotiate with their lawyers to take to take a lesser check until until there is an upturn on uh, in, in 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 their in their finances and negotiations here should involve i think every lawyer within the firm if there must be a pay cut it has to be across board and everybody should have a voice in how on how, on how that goes um, and i think that approach would help inspire confidence in firms management and might actually lead to lead to improved work attitude on the part of on the part of the of the of the young lawyers or fiennas at the place who know that the firm is thinking about them and is carrying them along the decision making process on something that impacts impacts on their own livelihood. I think one one example is um, there is a story that has been that that I was told a few years ago. I don't know how correct or how correct it is. A certain uh, big firm in Lagos could not um, afford to pay bonuses as much as it could as, as much as it used to in the past, and this was an account of 
of the global recession in 2008. And when the managing partner finished speaking to all of uh, to to the, to the lawyers in the town hall meeting, he explained to them how difficult things had become, uh, how unable they were to recover fees from clients, how clients had asked for significant significant reduction in their fees. And at the end of the day, because he carried them along, the the, the story was that the associates asked him in that meeting if he wanted them to contribute money for him to continue running the firm. And so the the idea being, if you want to implement measures that are far-reaching, you must, as management, carry your critical stakeholders along as you as as you make that decision. Uh, I think that's that's the seventh point. Now the the eighth point is how does this impact on employment by law firms? Uh, and I, I I'm I'm, look, I'm looking at the list of people who are participating. I know a few people here who are also. Uh, trying to get into into different law firms, but as, as sad as as this might sound, uh, for those who are seeking employment, the reality is that many law firms will, on account of what is happening now, take a decision not to hire people into their teams, except they are hiring you for a key or strategic position where the business case that they have justifies the need to hire you. This year, for example, I I think that a number of law firms may not take on NYC lawyers. And so you will find that more experienced lawyers will begin to do things that are supposedly mundane because of the gap that is created on account of the absence of younger lawyers who may be joined, who typically join them at the end of um, every year. But on the flip side, uh, which is the brighter side, some large law firms may, instead of hiring people on a permanent on a permanent basis to join them, they may on an ad hoc basis hire lawyers in smaller cities who demonstrate capacity to uh, in certain key areas of practice so that because those guys would typically be cheaper and they don't need to walk out of your head office to perform so to use to use my um, to use the example of of boko for example in Benue State, you may find that a law firm in abuja or a law firm in lagos or wherever it is might choose to hire a lawyer who is sound and savvy in boko on an ad hoc basis to do my work and send it over to me in Lagos. Let me review it from here. And I'm paying you 40 or 50% of what I would have paid a lawyer in Lagos would have been more expensive to me. So for people who are in in, in supposedly smaller cities, it could, if law firms go with that trend, it could actually be the opening of opportunities for, for young lawyers in those areas who have demonstrated capacity in key areas of practice before in terms of what they have been doing and what people see that they are able to do. Uh, related to that is the ninth point. And that is the fact that we may have a freeze on promotions and salary increases. I don't think I need to put this uh, for for this for on account of the things we've said. Uh, employers may either say, if you are in a particular position at the law firm today, I would rather not promote you to the next level until things become better, because promotion to the next level comes with additional financial burden uh, for the firm. Now, the tenth point, and that is on the brighter side, is that we may see an optic in certain kinds of work for a number of lawyers. So it is not all, 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 all doom and gloom. For transaction lawyers, for example, uh, we may see increased due diligence work on account of several acquisition transactions that may be happening at this time because valuations for businesses will become very good for the acquirers. Businesses may become cheap, may become cheaper to buy. And so people who have cash, who have stashed up cash over a period of time may be looking into more businesses to buy. So those who do or who do acquisitions or who are transaction lawyers may find themselves a bit more busy at this time trying to trying to advise on things like that. You may also see uh, for, for people who do finance, you may also see some of your clients wanting to refinance their existing debt obligations 
or to re-denominate the obligations or restructure their debt obligations. And that's because if the dollar was until um, two weeks ago at three at, at, at three sixty, now it's moved to about three eighty in the official market and about four hundred something in, in, in uh, on, on, on the streets. If you have a foreign currency obligation, as as a cl- your clients have foreign currency obligations, one thing that they may begin to consider now is how do they convert those foreign currency obligations into naira obligations and in that place you will find the number of finance lawyers being busy there and for the for the litigation lawyers on the other hand we will also see that we may have some instructions from clients who want to understand how their rights under existing contracts have been impacted by force majeure frustration material adverse changes and and similar and similar concepts under under the contracts that they have entered into and even for again for litigation lawyers we may also see a number of employment related litigation arising from claims by employees who believe that their employers are not entitled to unilaterally cancel their emoluments to cancel their leave allowances to dismiss them from work or to take some other drastic measures that they may be taking under the gaze of um, of, of of dealing with the impacts of covid 19. And the 11th point for me is for law firms that expect their young lawyers like, 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 like most of the participants on, on this to bring in work or to generate new business, we may actually see that those expectations will drop to some extent. Those expectations may drop because this is actually a time to maintain existing relationships more than to create new ones, not because law firms or lawyers should not look to create new 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 opportunities for themselves now in terms of getting new businesses but the fact is that many people who ordinarily will instruct you on a good day will think twice before they incur that legal expense that they want to incur in doing in, uh, that they want to incur um for in hiring a lawyer the last point in terms of what i see um the impact of covid 19 for lawyers and law firms for me it's you may see a number of freebies and pro bono work coming from law firms that ordinarily would have charged you an arm and a leg. They may want to retain their relationships with their existing clients. And on account of that, rather than um, let those clients go jump ship and go elsewhere, they may decide to offer free service to, to those clients in order to ensure that those clients remain with them. Uh, the other thing, again, in the, course of, in the course of this conversation, I did mention that apart from wages, lawyers also have issue uh, the biggest expense that lawyers also have will be their rents so you may actually find that your employers will begin to have conversation with their landlords where they pay where they pay huge rents to say there is there is there is, there is a global recession facing us um there is covid 19 which has affected my business to what extent can we have a conversation around reducing my 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 rent my rent or even the cost of other service providers that law firms law firms may have those for me are, are two are two of things that I think will come out of this COVID nineteen for Nigerian lawyers and lawyers generally. Some of them are are, are are not so great, and some of them are opportunities that we will see we can leverage on um, as lawyers. So the uh, before I go, I should talk about what are some of the long term recommendations that law firm that that one can make for law firms and the legal profession. Uh, at, at the end of the day life and business as we know it will no longer be the same after after covid-19 and i think that's a reality that we all should, uh, should should come to and so employers and employees in law firms will need to be more empathic and reasonable 
in whatever steps they take they, they take uh, to ensure that business continuity to ensure business continuity until this storm uh, blows over in in dealing with these challenges law firms have to strive to retain the loyalty of their stakeholders in the event that they are required to take drastic measures and like i said earlier communication and transparency will play crucial roles in ensuring and sustaining that loyalty but on, in the long term uh, five recommendations um, um, before before I go off. I know my time is almost up. Five recommendations would be one: lawyers and the legal profession need to digitalize and increasingly use technology for their operations. And this one one cannot overemphasize this point. We need to get to that stage where, on account of what we have seen now, we need to f start that conversation on digitalization of our processes digitalization of our of our practices so that we can do our work from wherever we find ourselves and for those of you who follow who have been following the trends you'll see that this is already happening in some jurisdictions and so nigeria cannot be left out the, the second recommendation is that there should be a conscious push towards diversification of our practices law firms that have diversified practice areas may not suffer as much as sole proprietorships that are solely focused on dispute resolution for example because for those ones that are diversified cash will continue to flow from other practice areas that they have even when the courts are shut down the cash flowing might not be so might not be so much but at least they will know that they are not they are not at zero level uh, that's that's the second second recommendation the third one will be we need to re rethink our law firm model. Uh, rethinking our law firm model here is we need to consider things like partnership models more than sole proprietorship. This is long term for the legal profession in Nigeria because uh, the truth is that no matter the the law firm model that you operate, you will still be affected by this by 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 this by these things we've talked about. But partnerships may be more resilient to some of these changes more than sole proprietorships would be, and and and, and that is the truth. A partnership is like is more likely to take the heat than the sole proprietorship can can take it in the long in the long term uh the fourth point is firms should encourage work flexibility flexible workers and remote working as a means of ensuring work-life balance and job satisfaction for their people and lastly uh law firms should put in place better emergency prepared preparedness measures to ensure that business continues at times like this so that when things like this happen it won't take us two three months to, to adjust before we get on board we should begin to anticipate that things like this may happen from time to time and when they do happen what emergency processes and procedures do we have in place to deal with situations like this uh, i think i think that is it for me my 30 minutes um, it's, it's up now and i thank you very much for listening Okay, thank you so much, sir. Uh, that was very insightful, as many people have noted in the comments uh, section. Uh, before we go on to ask questions, I mean, if you're listening and you have any question, you can drop your questions in the chat box, or you can use the raise your hands feature and uh, we'll recognize you and take your questions. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, I want to recognize the presence of someone who has been very supportive of the MBA Young Lawyers Forum um, in cash, in kind, in words and in every way, I mean, physically and perhaps even spiritually, yes. <laughs> anything like that. Um, Mr. Oyetolato ABSAN um, has joined us since the beginning of the uh, meeting and um, I'm going to allow him coming to uh, say one or two things uh, before we then take the questions. Daniel Sik. Well done, sir. 
I, I thought I was going to just uh, come in and um, and hide behind the scene, right? There's there's no hiding place for you, Well done. Um, well, just to say hi to everyone and uh, listen to my friend and brother Desmond. Honestly, he's um, hit the um, nail on the right spots, and I hope that young lawyers can um, imbibe the things he has said and. Um, we're all in a crisis situation and I hope that um, all of us can go through it together. And my own practical advice to all the young lawyers is even if in your firms some of these things are not being implemented, you can try and suggest the same to your employers. So just walk up to your um, bosses and tell them that these things I've learned from Young Lawyers Forum can we try as much as possible to implement in our office and then you can take the note. That's all from me. Thank, Thank you. you so much, sir. So uh, I guess we can go on to the questions from um, our participants. If you have any questions, you can share them. Okay, so uh, I mean, someone is asking if there are any practitioners who want to partner and go virtual. I think that's a question uh that should be considered by individuals privately uh okay i haven't seen any other questions for mr ogba yet okay but apparently many people are quite impressed with the presentation um Okay, in the absence of questions from our participants yet, um, just one question I, I, I want to ask uh, Mr. Agba. I mean, I, I wonder if um, at partners level, uh, management of law firms, if uh, typically you envisage certain scenarios and, and prepare for them, and if uh, for instance, a situation like this might have, at any point in time, crossed uh, the minds of uh, the partners of, uh, I mean, people in management that you, you relate with. Thanks, thanks to me. Uh, is as you know, this is not this is not something that um, many law firms in Nigeria have, have actually thought about. We've never been faced with this kind of situation before. We've seen instances where different things have happened to, that affected the revenues of law firms, but um, we've not had a situation where all the, almost all the law firms and all the businesses had to close. So when you had the global recession in 2008, for example, around the world, uh, businesses did not have to close in the way that they are closed today. When we had the 2016 uh, recession in Nigeria, we also did not close offices. People were still working, uh, but the, in, in the course of doing that work, the endless revenue, but the associates and lawyers were still going to work. So we've not been forced, we, we have never been forced to uh, and, I, and I speak for my firm. Uh, we've never been forced to think about about a doomsday like this when this kind of situation will hit us and we will need to, to shut down offices. Uh, but one thing that I know a number of firms that have the means have been able to do 
uh, in preparing for for days like this is a number of firms keep building up reserves rather than distributing their the, the entire money that, that they get at the end of the year amongst partners and and and, and declaring bonuses amongst themselves they try to build a watches somewhere so that in the event that a time comes when their revenues dip as they are likely to do now as they're likely to dip now they can still sustain the firm for a period of time, which was why when I spoke, I said that some law firms, in spite of the impacts that may become, may be able to, to withstand this for a few months. So a law firm that has built reserves for about six months to eight months reserves of their of their overheads will be able to survive for that long. But if this continues or if the impact of this uh, is, uh, is, 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 still, is, still, is still there beyond the period which their reserve can carry them, then it becomes become, become critical. Okay. Uh, in the course of your presentation, you mentioned that there might be increased adoption of technology. Um, Daphne Obari Princess Dafia Gorada uh, wants to know what skills would be necessary for transitioning into digital practice. I, I, I think first is, um, and, and this is a group of young lawyers, I, I don't expect that we suffer this deficiency uh, that I'm about to mention, is even the need, they need to understand how to use uh, the use of technology amongst lawyers. Uh, I, I know um, joint, joint for if, if this if this with respect to, to, to older lawyers, um, and I don't think I belong to that class, um, um, if you if you were to organize something like this for people who are older in our profession, it is likely that many of them may not be able to join to join the conference. Not because they don't want to, but because they don't have the they don't understand how they should, should they should get into this. Now if you so if we are looking to move to that stage where um, technology and digitalization becomes the future of the profession, there is need for us to, uh, for, for older lawyers to, to begin very quickly to learn the ropes and, and see how they can get, get into this because knowledge of the law will no longer be sufficient because in doing what you need to do, uh, understanding technology will be important. Our courts also, and like when I talked about brick and mortar for law firms, it also has to be the same for courts. Uh, besides building courtrooms in every in all over the country, we should also begin to train lawyers, train our judges and their assistants on the use of technology. I think on day-to-day -day business for our business operations will be one skill that that, that will remain invaluable. Okay, um, someone else is, is asking what would be your advice to a young lawyer uh, who is a sole practitioner and is trying to gain visibility and source for new clients even in this pandemic? That's for Sato Wagwe. I, I, I know that I say that this is not the time to to get um, where you see a number of new clients, but that's 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 um, that's the the truth in that is is limited to an extent. It's limited to the extent that you will still find people who are willing to do things. Uh, when we spoke, I said that there are still opportunities for lawyers in this business in spite of this downturn. And if you are a young lawyer and you you can still play in that space where clients are able to instruct you. Um, I think I think I think that is that that's an opportunity that you cannot miss. But how do you position yourself to get into that? This I've seen a number of young lawyers write numerous articles, and this is they're talking about positioning now. I've seen a number of young lawyers write articles on on the on COVID nineteen and the and uh, first measure and the impact of COVID nineteen on contractual rights. Imagine you were talking about this in a place where people who want to hear have those who have those who have those uh, problems are present the likelihood of someone asking you to 
to talk to them some more about it, even in a professional level, is, is quite high. Uh, I, I know that's one thing that has thrived very well, uh, one sector that continues to thrive very well um, at this time is, is the, is the uh, infotech sector uh, industry. And so lawyers who are very who are very savvy in that space and whose practices are in that area may also find this as an opportunity to make more inroads uh, in that industry and see how they can get clients. But in terms of positioning for young lawyers, uh, what you can do is personal branding, build your personal brand as much as possible. And we've talked about this at different sessions uh, for, for young lawyers before. Personal branding is important. Writing on areas of interest in order to, to pick, pick, uh, pick interest amongst people will also be important. Attending, attending events virtually, uh, if, if physical ones are not, are not present, uh, will also be key and, and playing an active role in all of those so that you are noticed at, at all times. Okay, so um, Zing Tim Gamble wants to know that given that most contracts of employment have no first major clause included, what then are the options to employers in the present pandemic uh, when it comes to uh, downsizing? Uh, I mean, in, in view of the decline in revenue and the need to, for instance, downsize, is wondering what the options are for employers. I, I think there are two, two things. The first is, um, if you look at some contracts of employment, and I, I, I can't pretend to, to see, to have seen um, too many for, uh, of the ones that people may, may, be, may be parties to, but a number of contracts of employment may not necessarily have what you call a first major provision. They may have things that allow management to change the terms from time to time. And so you may find law firms relying on such on such get get out clauses to say, I am reviewing the terms of, of the terms of your of your employment at this time. And so I am either cutting down on some of the allowances and emoluments that you were entitled to, or I'm reducing your salary on account of that. So that's not necessarily a force major provision, but it's a provision that gives employers a leeway to, to get out when things become difficult or when they consider it necessary. Uh, then in addition to that, if you if you if an if if management does not have that kind of provision in its employment contract, something else that it can do is what we talked about in the course of the presentation. The need to engage your stakeholders at on a day-to-day basis and carry them along in that decision-making process. If I if I if I if I'm employed by a firm and I understand that my employer needs to fire five of my very good friends who work in that firm, so and I have a decision to take between letting go of 20,000 naira from my own salary and, we, and ensuring that my friend remains in business, I might take a decision to allow my friend remain, remain, remain in, the, in, the, in that employment and, and lose 20,000 on a monthly basis for the, for the time being until things become better. So it is either you rely on the get out clauses or you have a conversation with your entire work uh, um, employees to see to see that they are reasonable and, 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 and reciprocate as much, which, which is the whole essence of, the, of, the, of this session to talk about how do you ensure that you balance the interests on both sides. And, and when I spoke, I said employees and young lawyers need to understand that management of their firms may have to take critical decisions at this time. And the extent to which you're able to cooperate and understand that those are important, um, those decisions have to be taken, uh, would go a long way in ensuring business continuity. Okay. Uh, um, last question. Uh, someone has asked uh, that what skills, what IT-related skills uh, would be required for a lawyer employee uh, while someone else has asked what IT firms uh, you can recommend to assist with the required transition to 
adoption of digital technology or technology in, in, in legal practice. Um, I mean, I will leave you to consider. Okay, I'll, I'll leave you to. So, can you hear me? Okay, so uh, someone has asked what skills, what technical skills, IT skills uh, a lawyer employee needs to acquire to cope with the times, uh, while another person has asked what IT firms you can recommend to assist with the transition to uh, technology. Um, I imagine the second part of that question might have some advertisement <laughs> concerns, but I'll leave you to, to uh, I mean, defer to your wisdom in that regard. Sorry, I was on mute earlier. Uh, I, you're, you're absolutely right, Toby. I think that the second one I might not be able to answer because I, I really can't um, put one frame ahead of the other now. But if it's a question that is asked after this time, I, I might be able to, to, to make a few suggestions. Uh, then on the first one, what's, what technological skills should a young lawyer um, gain at this time? If you, the, in terms of your day-to-day -day work, the ability to understand a number of um, applications that are used in the workspace for things like Zoom, Skype, uh, Microsoft Office, and, and, um, and uh, Microsoft Teams, all of those things that you use for communications on a day-to-day -day basis on a, uh, to have your virtual communication, uh, it's, it's something that people need to, need to learn. I know that there is a... Um, uh, People, there, there is a series of trainings that uh, uh, if I've, I've seen, I've seen messages, messages go out in the last few days talking about lawyers and the use of the internet for their businesses. What I understand that that's, that series is supposed to be doing is to have teach lawyers how to use some of these applications in order to position themselves better, make their presence uh, more felt on social media um, since that is since that is the future, and also understand how they can use some of this this. Um, um, applications that are used on a day-to-day -day basis in offices. So understanding those is very important. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, um, Mr. Desmond Ogba. And thank you to everyone who has joined us. Um, prior to uh, starting the conversation, uh, I'd mentioned that um, a number of people have been supporting um, the YLF. And one of uh, the organizations who have supported this particular initiative is Lawbridge. And for this particular webinar session, uh, they provided access to some of the law reports, um, what 30,000 era, and they'll be giving out five uh, to participants at this meeting. So in the course of the uh, presentation, the wildlife secretary, Patricia, was asking some random questions in the chat box, and a number of people graciously provided answers. So I'm going to allow her come in to announce uh, the winners of the Lawbridge uh, package. Patricia. Yes, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you, Mr. Oba, for the insightful presentation. Thank you, Leonard SAN, for joining us. As Toby has said, the chairman, um, during the talk, I had um, sent out random questions. Some people would have thought, oh, what is she talking about? But yeah, I just wanted to pick winners for the report. So um, the following people have been picked. Thank you for participating. They are Ademola Ade Kumbi, um, Frederick Ifezwe, Peter Okapu, 
Tohib Amuda and Osato Uwabwe. I'm sorry if I murdered your name. I tried. I'm sorry. So please send an email to um, the YLF email address and we'll find the way to reach out to you. Thank you. Right. Thank you, Patricia. Uh, I guess at, the, at this point, I would like to thank the facilitator, Mr. Desmond Ogba, for uh, joining us and sharing so much with us. Uh, I would also like to thank the learned sick, Mr. Etola Trebi, for joining us and staying all through the uh, webinar. And in addition, I must also seize this opportunity to thank him for uh, graciously and without prompt reaching out to the MBA YLF to support 50 young lawyers across the country. He has donated the sum of 250,000 um, without being approached. I mean, uh, 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 his generosity is quite unmatched and worthy of emulation. So thank you once again, sir, for doing this and for always supporting us. Uh, prior to this time, we started ABSAN, also supported the National Essay Competition organized by the YLF um, earlier in the year and donated the sum of 500,000 towards that initiative. Uh, so it's it's really gladdens our heart to uh, see that um, he's always willing to help and encourage what we do and encourage young lawyers across the country. So thank you everyone for joining us. We have another webinar coming up on Monday uh, where we'll be talking about making conscious career um, choices. Uh, it will be facilitated by Mimika Disola of Legally Engaged. The information about that will go out uh, uh, briefly and we encourage you to, to join us. Um, it is being done in collaboration with the Young Lawyers Committee of the MBA section on business law. And we'll be adopting a slightly different approach to that. We'll be using the Instagram Live um, handle of the MBA SBL Young Lawyers Committee so that uh, much more people can, can participate. Uh, can participate. Uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, this has been a wonderful uh, session. God bless.